0: These are real people, they do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves, I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking.
1: And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation
0: can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there.
1: people just want to know that this they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things.
0: So many people think they're alone, and then you hear other
1: people talk about it and they think, oh, that's you know that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.
0: Hello and welcome to Open Journal. I hope you're well. My name is Mike and I'm delighted to welcome you to another Open Journal episode and a conversation today with Brooke. Uh, I'm really delighted to have the opportunity to sit down with another new guest. So a big welcome to Brooke and a big thank you for coming on and sharing your personal insights, your knowledge, your lived experience. I had a really great time sitting down and having a conversation with Brooke and I really hope that you enjoy listening to our conversation into this episode we talk through a few different things including adverse childhood trauma kind of personal trauma lived experience with depression and other mental health illnesses along with kind of our interpretation of what resilience is uh we talk a little bit about education and signposting as well lots of good stuff in there i really hope you enjoy this episode as always if you want to find out a little bit more about brooke There's some links at the end of our conversation, but also in the podcast show notes as well. So you can click through to find out more about uh, Brooke. I really hope that you enjoy this episode and uh, engage with it. If you do, uh, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and also leave a review. It does help other people discover the podcast and the conversations that we're having and some of the resources as well. Additionally, if you think you'd like to leave Uh, kind of some feedback or you'd like to be a guest in the future you can find out information about the podcast via the website which is openjournalbc.com I really hope you enjoy this episode thank you so much for continuing to listen and support the podcast thank you again to Brooke for coming on and sharing uh, your experience I hope you enjoy the episode and I look forward to speaking to you very very soon It's really nice to be sat down uh, and have the opportunity to speak with you, Brooke. Uh, I, I know we've we've kind of had uh, odd interactions online before, but never really like a full conversation. Yeah. So it's really nice to have this opportunity. How how are you today? How's your kind of how's your week going?
1: Uh it's been going great. I really look forward to this opportunity. Thank you so much for having me. It's um, absolutely a pleasure meeting you. A-
0: oh, thank you. It's really nice hearing that people are listening to the podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and, and having the positive feedback i think it's like i say it's it's knowing those conversations are being shared and um to some extent discussed away from those discussions as well they sort of follow on and i think uh often with the the guests that come on hearing those lived experiences as well is so valuable and such a big thing i think for me personally a kind of like a way to learn about different um life situations illnesses symptoms and successes that people have had as well um so yeah it's, it's going to be really interesting to hear a little bit more about you i think most recently uh you were one of the runners up in the mental health blog awards uh i've lost track of time now like a month or yeah. so ago um so clearly a lot more people are becoming aware of you but maybe for those people that that haven't necessarily heard of of you or seen some of the things you're doing um could you tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and how some people may already know you through the the kind of the story sharing that you do
1: oh sure um so my website is called becoming indomitable uh the site is becomingindomitable.com i started it because i didn't really see any resources that were available There was a lot of hot stories about these people that were rags to riches and um kind of came through these these poverty stories but they were a lot of um these heartfelt quotes but no real information no real way to deal with trauma or triggers or help and i uh needed help i was um had a really difficult life i didn't have a support system and i needed a way through it and i wanted to create a way for people not to be obligated and have a site that had resources, whether it was cognitive or dialectical behavioral therapy, coping skill strategies, things like that, in addition to being able to share my own story as well, um, and other resources for people to get back on their feet, you know, who were not doing well financially. If um, they needed a computer or help trying to pay bills, maybe they needed to get clothing or transportation or they were a caretaker and they needed help finding means to help someone else. So (laughs) uh, there's a lot that goes into becoming the best version of ourselves or even seeing past ourselves, I think sometimes. And we need, yes, I think we need to make sure that we're not alone in, in some of that and to see that there's many sides, not just like a good and bad, right? And also through building resilience, I think that we need to see that there's a certain quality of character within it that needs to be pushed. Because when we have bad things happen to us, we become bitter and it, you know, obviously makes us not wanna grow. So I Mm. wanted to put some stories and perspective in there so people could kind of have an avenue maybe see a little bit more of hopefully themselves within the story as well and that it's not just you know picking yourself up by your bootstraps kind of life and there's a lot more to mental health than that so that's how i started it i also do a lot with the relationship foundation in advocating for adverse childhood experiences they're a group that works in new york city and they teach children about how to overcome trauma and deal with needs and feelings so that they don't become violent, um, don't become violent in school, and also can assess themselves, um, have, you know, be body positive. Uh, we support the LGBTQIA plus community and um, deal with racism and things like that as well. So we're teaching, trying to teach kids early how to kind of get away from, Adversity as early as possible. So that way we get away from stereotypes. In addition to that, understand their own life and processes because usually abusive adults have abuse become, have abusive children who bec- then become abusive adults and the cycle repeats. So we're trying to get away from that as well. And I also do web events sometimes for them to teach people about ACEs and how it causes inflammation and autoimmune diseases um, in relation to adverse childhood experiences and i teach people how to deal with their triggers and um, things that have helped me um, overcome my adversity um, through also microbiology and immunology too so a little bit about that background a little mm-hmm. winded what well,
0: <laughs> thank you for sharing that it's it's really interesting to kind of hear this there's, there's so much going into and so much so much information and so much resource within kind of the the work and the conversations that you're having um and I think that so, yeah lots of of different bits kind of spiking off in my mind in terms of, of different conversation points um I think firstly just to kind of recognize that the breadth of the the knowledge and the information that you're you're talking about there as well is is really important and why I personally think that kind of mental health well-being blogging is so important that story sharing because um some people will come along and, and go straight to bits of information and like you've mentioned um but sometimes it needs that personal story for someone to get invested for someone to start mm-hmm. feeling either like an uh an affinity to this the story or the experience that's been shared or or a connection with a particular person um before they kind of then invest their time in reading and learning and um finding out about some of those resources um and I think kind of, uh, uh in a positive way as well hearing how much resource and signpost is happening there I think more and more kind of seeing that across mental health and wellbeing blogging story sharing and and, and services as well is is a really positive thing that um seems to be coming through more and more now which is really interesting i was just wondering where where your kind of story started within this field if you're happy to share that and where that kind of first passion for or interest in kind of mental health and well-being started
1: um that's a great question so i i've always really liked it i think uh, I can't really think of a specific time, but I, um, why the blog kind of came about was I just didn't want to be ashamed of it. And I thought maybe it could help people. I didn't think anyone would read it. I'll be quite honest. <laughs> I didn't think it would be, I certainly didn't think that it would be popular that it is now. I didn't think that it would be as successful. Um, I'm very grateful, you know, don't get me wrong, very, very grateful, um, to be where it's at right now. And of course, to have the opportunities that I, have had um but i just was really ashamed for a really long time and i was extremely tired of feeling that way and i had been really proud of myself for what i had overcome and i thought um maybe i should start talking about it and i had started started seeing uh, a few other blogs that people had posted. a lot of it was more eating disorder oriented and I wanted to see how other people were dealing with things and so I started to try and seek things out and I really couldn't find a lot uh, for me growing up there really wasn't a lot of resources available you know it was kind of the internet wasn't as hot as what it is now and the race of resources just weren't readily available um, so I just thought maybe I could put my own twist on things and kind of put it out there and see where it would go. And I had, you know, now in this stage of my life, I, I feel like I have a great support system. I have some wonderful friends and um an incredible family member who's been excellent. And then, you know, recently I had found the mental health blog awards. I had found your page and really loved your story, really connected with, all of the things that you were doing was just extremely impressed because I've had a really hard time finding men kind of opening up to things. So I was really blown away by the the things that you were doing as well. So seeing perspective has also really helped shape my perspective and it also really helps with the compassion piece, I think. So it's made me certainly more compassionate with the blogging
0: oh wow yeah thank you for for sharing that and for the positive feedback it's always always nice to hear I think um like I said that that side of when you're mentioning kind of I didn't expect people to read it or it to become popular and I think often that feels like that's where most definitely from my experience that's where most mental health blogging seems to kind of start it's very much a um, like a well-being tool or a coping strategy or something like that is kind of yeah, where where it often begins, um, and where it stays for 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 a good number of people, I think it remains that kind of online journal, it remains that that space for people to um I guess like discreetly share um their experience and also interact with other people that are sharing their stories as well, I think is a really positive yeah. thing. Um it, yeah I, I still find it so interesting the different ways and the the different ways that it connects and supports people or provides uh different things to different parts of their life um i think are, are really really interesting and you mentioned earlier the um the impact that it some of these experiences can have in terms of our resilience, in terms of our kind of ongoing well-being as well. Having that experience of kind of sharing parts of your story online and um, doing that for a period of time, how how did that impact on you? Like, do you feel like it's been a positive experience? Are there things that have not gone as well as you might hoped, or or kind of how is how is sharing online gone?
1: Um, Uh, I think sharing online has been really difficult. I I know a lot of people think that it's cathartic and maybe it is for them, but it's not, it's certainly not a cathartic (laughs) experience for me. It, um, I know that it's, you know, for the good, for the, for a higher good. Um, What I feel is that I'm past it. So I kind of feel a lot of pride in that. And I don't really feel emotional when I write it or anything. So that's positive to me number one, Mm. two, I think, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself over the years. So it it just makes me feel like I have the audacity to write it in that aspect, you know? Um, so I'm an expert with myself and I don't try to seem like I'm this mental health expert or anything like that. You know, I'm very clear about that coming into it. Um, and I, and I don't intend to be by any means. Um, I have much love for the mental health, um, Field, But I uh, think uh, perspective is so important in our lives because it it just shapes who and how we are. Mm -hmm. And these traumatic episodes can really define us. So how we live our lives is just really telling of how either miserable or comfortable or um you know what we're gonna be you know i had worked my ass off to to get to average in my life and i'm very happy with with that you know i'm proud of that and i know a lot of people wouldn't be because when we are traumatized we feel like we need to be the best and we need to be these olympic athlete badasses right and in the world and we need to take it by storm and we need to show everybody but um, I think uh I in a way for myself, I have and understanding how to heal and understanding how to bounce, I think that's very badass and when I do write and I go through that and I'm not triggered and I can fully help someone else who's going through it or I talk about my story and I don't well up, or I'm. Giving someone advice on how to get through an emotional setback, and I know that it works, I just feel empowered. And having a sense of empowerment at any point in my life, given the struggles of years of um, tragedy, I think is a different stage of remarkable. and And I'm very proud of that. And I think that's what becoming indomitable is about.
0: That's no, really interesting to hear and thank you again for sharing, I think um, I really like that imagery of working really hard to get to average and, and that being a success, I think you kind of hit on something there with the the mindset that we put in place and it's, it's different for different people but I think um, often this idea of like 100% recovery or 100% achievement of of something. Um, can be a really difficult and really challenging thing for people to strive to yeah I know people that speak that way and feel that they've achieved that and that's awesome for them but I think I also know probably a lot more people that have experienced those thoughts of um like I'm never going to achieve this or this is the thing I'm working towards it's just not achievable um and by putting something else in place or maybe reframing that there's a different way to um to succeed and to live uh i think it's never i think very very early on in it, with my experience with depression i think very quickly i was of the mindset of this is something it will always be there in some guys but my aspiration is to better understand it and manage it and so it becomes like 1% of me rather than 90% um that idea of kind of it a hundred percent being gone I don't think was ever really something I considered um I don't know at that time whether that was more of a yeah there'd be different reasons why that probably was the approach I had but it still is now I think it's always going to be kind of sat in the background there and it kind of activates at different times um but I I feel like I manage it better now and I think that's the the side sometimes of those conversations with different people, those different tools, they allow you to add bits of knowledge into how to cope with that, how to manage with that, different things to try. And I think really interesting that you talked about that kind of detachment now to some extent from kind of the the blogging that you do um, in that this feels a certain function, but it isn't what it was before. It doesn't have the same meaning or the same effect. And things can change over time as well I think that's sometimes something um I feel like people hold on to particularly around like services and activities it's like oh this didn't work for me in the beginning and so it just will never work for me and particularly when you're looking at things like CBT and different treatments um if people have like one negative experience it's like well maybe it was a type of treatment or it was the therapist or the counsellor that you're working with just wasn't for you it doesn't mean like the whole of that isn't for you yeah Uh, um and i wonder because my explanation for that is often it's how it's explained at the beginning um because when i think in one of the very first conversations cbt was explained to me it was explained as like a this is to deal with now it doesn't deal with 10 years ago and so very quickly, I felt like I had an understanding, whether that's correct or not, I was like, I have an understanding of what this is going to do and what it's not going to do. And often when I hear kind of negative things about CBT or similar types of service, it's because it's like, oh, but I've still got this problem. I'm like, yeah, but it was never going to look at that. It was about, it's kind of a survival thing that gives you time to then go away and look at that at a later stage. Um, I'm just wondering where, because you talked a little bit about um, different types of childhood trauma and some other things so people will have interacted with different hopefully services but also conversations do you feel like sometimes there's a a lack of understanding of what certain things can be used for or are being used for when people are having that negative experience of some services or activities
1: oh yeah i I think yeah i think to go deeper than that people don't even want to use them we can't even get them there you know, the beauty of healing, uh, one of the things that I really loved, <laughs> and I again, I don't want to minimize the work that you've done or minimize the work that people have done, but you've done so much work, and that's what's hot about it. That's the sexy thing about it is look at the effort that you're putting in there. That's impressive. That's impressive to me because it takes time. You know, I've done all of these workbooks or sheets or whatever. Some of them I didn't need uh it's just seeing what's going to fit seeing what's going to help you we think of self-care we think of you know going to the spa or getting a massage or working out or whatever that is but the last thing that we think about doing is uh, a depression workbook or you know things like that because that it bums us out it makes us sad and you know trauma is sad and it's just going to make us cry and And the thing is, you know, wouldn't you want to stop doing that? Wouldn't that, wouldn't you want to get out of that style? Um, So wouldn't you want to just search and see things that's going to come for you instead of the bad habits that you're choosing and recycling that are hurting you? So, but uh, unfortunately, people don't get to that. And I agree that they will just try it once and they'll try the wrong thing and then they cast it off. So, yes. Um. If they do try something, then they'll do it once and that's it. Or there's some other kind of stigma in it, they're ashamed, or they don't really know what they're doing, or it feels weird or unnatural, so they're done with it, or they um don't know where to go. Uh doing a workbook or doing something like that is odd. And what they'll do instead is they'll write a journal, but you need guidance in order to know what you're doing. So then they'll go to therapy and sometimes it's not the right therapist so you have to understand who you're working with i agree knowing expectations is helpful but knowing yourself is important too you like triggers whenever i got through certain phases of my trauma i didn't know and i'm sure you know this too like um certain triggers would come up and i didn't realize that they were triggers like if somebody would message me hey we need to talk then that would be a trigger for me. It would be on my mind for the rest of the day. Couldn't do any focus on anything else. Or, um, you know, just a thousand little things that I just had to get through. And it is unfortunate that we have to do that. Hmm. But if we're going to get better, we're going to get on the other side of it. It is a part of us. So we have to do the work. Um, I do love your story of depression. Before I hand it back over to you. And I think the story of your depression really helped me because seeing how somebody lives in it, within it, also helps understand perspective. So some of the stories that you shared about how it makes you see the world, see yourself in the world, um, is really necessary, by the way. Um, and that inspired me in, in some of my writing. but it also can be really to So I get both sides of that. Just
0: saying. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, um, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's very nice to hear and to. Yeah, I'm not going to dwell on it because I'll get emotional. Yeah, I get um, that. OK. I think <laughs> I'll cry about it. Later. All right, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah, it's so it's so interesting that that connection with illness as well. I think a really interesting point you're kind of starting to touch on there as well is like how much do you engage with it and being aware of the impact. Um, because I think for me there there's that side of um, you do to some extent you have to experience that to be able to to have those conversations to keep that going to have that insight. I think um, having having conversations on the podcast, I think there's definitely, there's conversations I've had with people where um, I have not experienced any of the symptoms or any of the illnesses that they have experienced. And you can kind of learn from that, but you can't connect with it in the same way because it's not a lived experience that you have. Um, so I think it is, really important and really valuable for people when they're kind of comfortable and safe to to share those experiences to inform others um but it is also really tricky in terms of kind of that person managing their own well-being and balancing off when they're doing that and i know it's definitely something i think more so now in terms of sharing my experience like previously probably years back now they were shared very much kind of on the spot or within an hour or two of of certain situations or experiences. And I think a lot of the time now they're they're days to a week later, because I'm like, actually, I want to be slightly removed from the situation to be able to kind of just go back through and check. Like, I'm happy and this is an okay thing to share. Yeah. But I'm able to do that because I've got to a stage in my journey where I feel informed enough or safe enough to kind of have that process and thought out a little bit more. I guess like anything where you're kind of on that that journey, um, but I do think that there's uh, maybe slightly more um, power in some of the like older posts, because they were written sometimes with a bit more kind of raw emotion in them. Uh, but I think yeah, it's just having having people kind of share those experiences, and I think you mentioned earlier uh, around kind of eating disorders as well. I think there's a large number, or it feels to me like there's a large number of people now talking about kind of depression, anxiety, yeah. eating disorder, and that's that's really really amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, but there's so many areas of of mental health that aren't spoken about in that way or or at that level. Um, and they're still kind of the 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 way that they are stigmatized, I don't think has massively changed, whereas I think depression and anxiety, and to some extent, eating disorders have they're still stigmatized, but Absolutely. I think that's de- it's decreased. You're seeing more conversation, not just kind of um like celebrities or public figures, but you're seeing more common people <laughs> um, speaking about kind of their experiences which is sometimes more relatable um I, I as a personal thing I struggle to relate to it's really interesting and great when a, a celebrity or whoever shares their experience but I think having someone that you feel is a bit more living a similar lifestyle to you feels a bit more uh like something that you can relate and potentially learn from as well so I think those are the stories that I kind of key into more and take more from and also i think um those are probably the types of people that i have in my head like of, of thinking these are the people that might read or might learn something from something that i've scribbled down um because it's more relatable to those people
1: and there's a rawness to it there's a truth to it that you don't see with the the celebrity thing you know because it's just been bastardized so much um but speaking of i do so um you know with the stigma and Mm. with with that in society so i have some questions for you
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know in with men in society i find that male relationships are hard anyway and i think men tend to look at each other as future competition or future clients in a lot of ways and oftentimes You know, like if I see women at a restaurant or that kind of relationship dynamic, we'll say, or uh, women that I identify or uh, people that identify as women, I'll see them talking about relationships. You know, how are you? How is your relationship? How is life? That kind of thing. But when I see two men or two people that identify as men at a restaurant, they're talking about business, sports, or um, what the next... You know what the next business idea is or something like that and it's just a totally different dynamic and it's harder I see for a lot of men to talk about working through their emotional issues and dealing with that dynamic anyway mm-hmm. one and then also really being vulnerable that vulnerability is like tantamount to torture in full regard and I just wanted to see what what is your perspective there, especially with depression, especially what you've gone through?
0: I think it's it's so tricky. I think I guess I start off with kind of as you've alluded to, like everyone's experience is different. I think um, you can't sort of generalize in that way, but the generalizations and those stereotypes exist because there are a large number of people that fit into that sort of typo- typ- typography um, of Oh, is that a real word uh <laughs> of of uh men that struggled to kind of communicate those experiences or to accept those experiences and those struggles um and i think a lot of it i i think is probably to do with kind of that identity that you um are given or or kind of have received and i think that's starting to change but only in the last sort of 5 years um So for anyone that is older than 15 or 20, I think you've grown up and been raised in an environment that has very much shown um, uh, an outdated, very traditional, air quotes, um, idea of what a man and a male should be, what they should look like, how they should appear, how they should act, um, how they should deal with certain situations. Um, And I think even when you look on uh, like modern TV programs and things like that, there's often kind of there's a a strong traditional male character. yeah, And then there is like a quirky or a fun one. And the idea is that that these these two are both okay. You can be a male and be either of these, but this one's the real man. And I think that that still kind of exists. So it's quite a difficult challenge to get over. I also really like that you mentioned kind of the conversations and the business side because I was like, ah, that's not really, it's not really my thing. The sports thing, okay, yeah, there'll be sports conversations. But it did remind me of, I think, probably in secondary school and having a, con- I can't remember who this conversation would have been with, whether it would have been with, it wouldn't have been a friend at that. It would have either been a parent or a teacher or someone like that saying, um, something along the lines of like oh there might be people in your class that you don't really like or don't get along with or you don't think are like nice people but in 20 or 30 years you might need to ask them for a job (laughs) and it's always been in my mind of like oh however much you don't get on with people you just kind of disengage but don't make it like a negative experience because you don't know if in the future you're going to need to ask that person or approach that person for something so it's not necessarily a business thing but it kind of overlaps with how you treat relationships of really not wanting to have a negative one um, and being aware of how you're leaving a conversation like what what is the image that you've left that person with of you Um, like it doesn't have to be a positive one but you really don't want it to be a negative one Um, and I think that does come in in terms of how much you open up and reveal what for a large number of people is still considered a weakness in terms of sort of mental health struggles. Yeah. Um so I think that's there. Um the other example that did pop into my head is um so when I when I again probably secondary school age I remember I had a uh, a male friend that lived like 5 five or six doors down from me and we used to like play around in the road with a football or play computer games and things like that and I remember we could spend like three or four hours sat pretty much in silence playing a video game and as we would get to like the doorstep we'd then have like an hour conversation stood on the doorstep because we couldn't have had it like why couldn't we have had it when we were sat down and comfortable (laughs) it's like oh we're about to leave all of a sudden like the the real conversations (laughs) happened of like Um, yeah just like how people were doing and and like what was going on with all of those conversations happened like right almost in the last possible point for them to happen Um, it's yeah conversations just generally are really interesting but I think there are there are notable struggles for I think a large number i don't know enough to say whether it's a majority or not but a large number of males i think still really struggle with that communication um in any form uh but i think particularly verbally maybe there's there's more of a struggle there i think written communication can be prepared and reviewed um and you have an opportunity to kind of work on that um if you're worried about opening up or sharing a certain experience you can sort of even crowdsource it by looking online and checking some of the stuff that you're saying whereas i think having a verbal communication can sometimes be a bit more difficult you don't necessarily know where it's going to go um so yeah they are i think they are still really tricky i i am hopeful that is changing those barriers and those stereotypes and the stigmas are reducing but the older someone is, the more they've lived through and have the lived experience of those kind of just older values. I don't want to say wrong, but older values um, kind of installed or they've lived through them. So it's harder for them to to change that outlook, I think.
1: Mm. I think, you know, when I was, um, I think that's fair. Whenever I was younger, I definitely would say that I liked clever people more. And then, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I certainly appreciate kinder people much more. So really feel feel you on that. I um, absolutely appreciate you sharing that perspective because it's it's hard to know. Uh, and every place is different. Every culture is different. But I think the, the tie of vulnerability and weakness seem to be synonymous with most men that I have seen. And um, it's just really unfortunate it's a missed opportunity. And then I find that they overindulge with um women and then women become the the compassionate stereotype. Themselves. It's it's
0: it's so I think it is really difficult. And it's also how how you look at that. Like I'm very aware that um like the times I've gone into uh like counseling and support and therapy I resonate much more with if I'm speaking to a female practitioner rather than a male because I've grown up with that in my head that like the things that I need to talk about are emotions and feelings and so I feel more comfortable talking about them to a female than a male. And then no like there's there is no reason why it makes any difference. They're both just people. Yeah. But because like societally I've been told these things are for these people and these things are for these people, um and i'm at a stage where i go like just this is what i feel more comfortable with this is what's going to be more beneficial but if i'm in a situation which i have been in the past where it's like this is the service you take it or you leave it but okay cool i can i can still work with a male practitioner but i just don't feel quite as comfortable or as relaxed um in that setting and i think that's the difference of trying to get or encouraging people to understand you might have certain preferences around who you work with, who you talk to, um, but also trying to l- limit the limitations that that then has. Does the fact that, um, like my lived experience means I feel much more comfortable talking to female friends about some of my experiences than male friends, even though the male friends I've had, I've had longer. So the the relationship theoretically is, is a stronger, more l- long-term relationship, Um, or do you try and balance that off and just be more informed and go okay I know that if I want to have this conversation with a male friend I just have to work at it a little bit more I need a bit more security around the environment whereas if I'm sitting down with a female friend I can kind of just crack on straight away with the conversation I don't yeah (laughs) it's it's understanding that and not just going I can never talk to a male friend about this because it then becomes quite limiting especially if that is a like the majority of your friendship group I think that's quite tricky
1: okay yeah that's a great perspective it's sad though it's something that we definitely need to change because I think it affects the counseling world the therapy world uh, it's it's just it's an unfair it's just unfair and, and it's, it's unfair in our relationships as well because we're creating this barrier there and we're creating a barrier in our growth
0: so for sure and it, it comes across I think also in um Different professions as well. I would say there are less male uh, practitioners and therapists and counsellors. I'm making a massive generalisation based on my lived experience. (laughs) I would say there's, I would say there's a lot less. It seems to be quite a female-dominated industry. As does kind of early years education and schooling is another area. I think we kind of lack there being more male teachers for early years (laughs) um, because stereotypically these are like not these haven't been seen or been encouraged as areas for for males right. to be involved in and like you say all we're doing is really just limiting what we can do um there's expertise there's knowledge there's lived experience that could be shared in both of those and other environments as well right. um so it is a really tricky one um in terms of encouraging that um, male participation in these areas
1: Right. Okay.
0: um one of the other things you mentioned earlier on was uh i think you mentioned was some of the different conversations and events that you've been part of as well so i know away from the blog you've kind of been involved with other things it'd be really interesting to hear kind of how that has how did that happen and what some of those events have been uh
1: yeah so i've done several other podcasts as well um done some webinars so Uh, So I am passionate, again, about adverse childhood experiences and showing kind of the connection between autoimmune disease and ACEs, how inflammation does carry us and affect us long term. I think when we think of adverse childhood experiences, we just think of childhood experiences. And we don't think that it follows us into adulthood, which is Completely untrue. Aces is really about adulthood. Um, for those that might be unfamiliar with the ACE study, it actually started out as an obesity study, but people were really successful in, and then they started dropping out. And uh, this practitioner, this um, doctor, got really confused as to what was happening, and he started this uh, essentially started asking, uh, you know, different questions. He was running through his normal um, questionnaire. And accidentally asked the question, um, what age did you start becoming sexually active to one of his patients, instead of asking what age did you start noticing you were gaining weight, and she said uh, four years old, and he knew that, that was there was a connection between abuse and the weight gain. So he um, started to kind of change some of the practices and ask different questions, which is how he came up with the 10 question quiz for adverse childhood experiences. And then it became this longitudinal study, which is kind of rock the world. And I really uh, changed my life, I think, in, in a pretty cataclysmic way in college. So I wanted to get the word out more to people so they can understand adverse childhood experiences if they themselves have gone through trauma, so they can see how it's impacted them in their life. Um, Where, you know, the rates of suicide—if you have four or more aces, uh, you're 12 times more likely to commit suicide than those that have one ace or one um, childhood experience, adverse childhood experience. Um, Those that have four or more aces also have 80% um, 80% more likelihood to have a rheumatoid arthritis marker and several other autoimmune markers, and um, due to the fact of their poor coping skills and coping strategies, obviously the rate of PTSD is much higher, heart disease, and this is around the world. This isn't just you know mm. obviously in the United States. So it's it's just a major, um, it's it's a major study, and it, it impacts all of us and. Uh, obviously, like other things too, violence rate, alcoholism, um, promiscuous behavior, absenteeism at work, these things as well, financial issues, th- those things also that we have to be mindful of. And I think um, going back to, to what we had talked about earlier when we talked about resilience, and when we talk about expectations and the standard of those expectations, when we come these like superstars in life, you know, mm. as a result of them it always comes down to the odds that are stacked against us, right? So if you're kind of coming out and you're living in these below means, you have um, physical limitations, you have mental limitations, and then you you come from physical, sexual, emotional abuse, your odds become lower and lower and lower. So it's just more and more and more to beat. And if you're comparing yourself to somebody who has had a great life, they have no issues or limited amount of issues. Um, That's completely unfair. That's completely unrealistic. But seeing how you're overcoming those odds, um, I think is really impressive. And one thing that I want to share that is um, had kind of shown me why resilience matters is I had um this was a long time ago i had a coworker who would um complain a lot she would never step up she would never like try harder but she was really whiny about everything you know, very entitled really felt like the world had failed her and um she was really rich she had a lot of money and she was really successful She was successful, she was rich, she was beautiful, you know, she had all of these things kind of going for her, and um, never had to work for anything, really, never, um, she went to an Ivy League school, you know, there was just all of these, everything was working in her favor, she didn't really have to do anything, but if any minor inconvenience happened, it was like the world had ended for her, and um, once I had really seen her in action, it kind of... Put a lot of perspective for me. And I thought, oh my God, like she's the worst. You know, I, there's no way. There's no way. You know, these are things that I thought I wanted to be like. You know, she's um, fit. She's beautiful. She's successful. She's well educated. She has all of these incredible things. She has these great friends and this great life. And the reality of it is, you know, none of it was, most of it was untrue and uh, you know her parents are what helped her get into this college and she was just given she was just given all of these things and um, didn't respect her at all I just thought she was you know like a disease she was absolutely disgusting she was a horrid putrid person and once that had kind of settled into me it really showed me how much more the effort and the uh, dedication the quality of character. These other things that I was doing was so much more attractive and appealing than any of that was. And if I had earned it and gotten there, then that was so much more badass and cool and just the depth was so much better. And I look for that now with other people is what they've done with resilience or if they had to have resilience in the first place. And I think um, that is just remarkable to me. So if you don't have that, then I think at this point, I just have to hold back. You know, I get really quiet and then I'm just like, okay, so nothing happened. Nothing, you have nothing. Okay, so this has been like really easy for you. We're not going to connect at all here. You're not going to get me. And I think for a long part of my life, I was so misunderstood and it really bothered me. I was really hurt by it. And I felt like if somebody could just understand me, then I it would be easier to be accepted. But now that I'm older and I see how much more um, well off I've done, how much smarter I am or how much um, better I do at my job or whatever the thing is, right, whatever I've gone through, uh, I just see that they didn't have to have the same barriers that maybe we have had to do and it's not anything negative to them i mean i'm happy for them that they didn't have to but the whole time i was so upset about the fact that we couldn't connect and i was so angry at them for not being able to understand me but the reality of the situation is that we just we just weren't given the same things we weren't at the same starting point so I just wanted to put that out there for any of the people that are listening going through that struggle. So
0: I think it's it's kind of still undersold I think how much that we as the as the person speaking or sharing still need to feel like that that connection with the person we're speaking to or sharing with um And it's that perception as well. Like you say, you're never going to know 100% what someone else has gone through, but by showing something, you make yourself more accessible for that conversation. Um, And equally, that's what some of us are still looking for in other people, because you you can't always be the first one to open the door and kind of share that experience. Um, Someone isn't always going to know what your story is so we are kind of it's definitely something i would say i still kind of i'm not actively looking but i definitely respond quicker to if someone shares that insight or um i become aware that they have had some sort of experience that they're willing to share i definitely feel like more of a um an ability, or like a reasoning for connecting and having a conversation with that person, when we probably could have spoken anyway, but you feel like, oh, there is some sort of, um, there is like a, there is a connection here. Like we haven't had the same experience, even if we've experienced something similar, it's not the same. Um, but there's there's like a greater understanding. I feel like uh, have have if you feel like someone has had that experience, there becomes a greater understanding, a greater ability, I think, to to share and engage in that conversation. And like you say, to it's not just talking, it's really connecting with that yeah. person and understanding that. And I think if you don't feel that...
1: Um, well, did you have a problem with connecting? Like, did you
0: feel this? For sure. Like, I would say, I think interestingly, probably... One like one of the first people. I can't remember if it's the first person, but one of the first people that I really kind of like sat down and had like a proper um, conversation about like I'm really struggling with depression. This is what's going on with like my relationships and things like that. And. Um, was someone that was like it they were a friend of a they were a friend but they were like a friend of a friend okay so they sort of sat on that kind of that periphery so they were i deemed them as a safer person to speak to they're not in that like immediate circle at the time um and i think i also knew that they'd had kind of like some of their own experience like i didn't really know how much again because they weren't like a close person um so that made that conversation easier and I think the one or two times when I tried to have conversations with people that were like my near people um they didn't go very well and I think probably a combination of at the time I wouldn't have really known I wouldn't have been articulate about what I was experiencing because I would have been very much stressing about it and very much depressed and not really knowing how to communicating that um and maybe that person didn't have any of their own experience so didn't really recognize what i feel looking back must have been pretty obvious signs um but that's easy for me to look back and say that maybe they didn't see those so i think having had that experience of like oh the people that are near me this is much more difficult those conversations aren't coming naturally but this person that's kind of slightly more removed but i do know it feels okay to have that conversation i think definitely meant that you there's a lot of thinking consciously or subconsciously about um who are you talking to or disclosing this to where are we who's going to overhear it um like what's the potential happenings after this conversation um like who are they going to go away and tell or talk to or um Yeah, there's a lot of concern. I think those early conversations are so difficult and so stressful, especially if you're a thinker and someone that just like loops around on those thoughts. I think that can be more and more challenging because you're you're overthinking those first situations. And then when it comes to the second or the third one not only are you overthinking those you're also overthinking the ones you've already had <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of yeah, things going yeah, around
1: sure. <laughs> you're stuck there forever it's
0: a trap <laughs> yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah. um and i think uh you mentioned like we touched on it a couple of times around like resilience as well and i think it's a really it's becoming i think a really interesting uh talking point because i've seen more recently some Um, apprehension or some negative thought pieces around like resilience is a way just to put the pressure on the individual rather than actually supporting them and I think that very much depends on how you're interpreting like when we were talking about CBT and other things it's how are you interpreting resilience like resilience isn't just carry on and continue to struggle Um, to me like resilience is that that learning and trying different services because you know I don't know about where you are but where I am you don't just get into those like often you're waiting weeks months and some people wait years that's resilience is to kind of still be there when those services then come around to you to continue to try different activities that didn't work a month ago but might do now um because therapy didn't work with one counselor trying another one that's resilience not just like i'm really really struggling but i'm not going to ask for any help and i'm just going to carry on and carry on and carry on that's not to me that's not resilience um but i think potentially some people that don't really want to engage within kind of that mental health and well-being sphere it's an easy thing to go oh look, everyone's using this term resilience and actually it's a it's, well again it's it's how are you using, how are you interpreting that word and and what it means to different people because i guess to some people it will mean resilience will mean continuing to go into work and continuing to um kind of struggle on but i think it also to me mean that there's learning as part of that and development isn't just a continuation or a cycle um so I think resilience is is a very important thing um and some of the different activities and conversations that you mentioned earlier are part of that for people in learning and understanding what their experience or the person they're trying to support what their experience has been like as well
1: I think you know, resilience has become like this shoebox thing. It's not, it's definitely dirty now. It's like strength, mm. you know, like, oh, you're so strong because you went through trauma. And I feel like um, trauma really kind of destroyed me. It made me bitter. It made me kind of a mean person for a long time. It was not a helpful life Tool, you know, it's definitely. <laughs> I had <laughs> overcome a lot, it's like, it was the worst.
0: <laughs> aren't you so lucky you've yeah. had trauma?
1: <laughs> not really, no, it was, it was awful. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for ruining me. It was great. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, and I think resilience has kind of become this. So, when we are not cool with people not bouncing back, first of all, if you and, and and that sucks so if if somebody does not overcome their situation we look at them as trash i don't know where that came from or why that is but you were supposed to be the master of, of your story and it doesn't matter if you are stuck in the ocean and there is a shark coming for you if you do not su- survive this shark attack you are a failure <laughs> you know like it's just this it is ridiculous it is dumb um number one and i agree with you that yeah so resilience needs to be you know whatever you think it is but i think people just put it as this you know like um instagram story Mm -hmm. uh quote life luxury thing and that's that's the problem within a um it is Definitely much cooler than the whole strength thing. I think we need to just flush that. It's um it's done and played out. And people that say that either have no idea what trauma is because they haven't gone through it, um, or they haven't done any of the work on themselves because they're just blissfully unaware. In my opinion regarding that. For the resilient piece, uh I to me it's just a myriad of things. It's being able to, one, see yourself. I can admit what I'm wrong, or I've done something bad, or that I've acted like an asshole. You know, I, I can admit that and say, you know what, I need to make a change and do some better work. I wasn't always a great person. I was a angry person for a long time. And I felt entitled to my feelings, but I also felt wronged and I wronged other people because I was wronged and that wasn't fair to them. But because I made the changes to change, that is a form of resilience because I didn't want to complete the cycle. I didn't want to continue the pattern. Yes, doing work on yourself of any facet because you care more about the quality of your life. That is resilient to me. And more than that, I think people want to matter. We mm-hmm. wanna live a life that matters. We wanna be somebody, somebody. We wanna know that the world was better for us having lived within it. That's why we blog. That's why you do the open journal stuff. That's why you have the mental health blog awards. You've contributed such an, an amazing thing to the world. And that shows a life that is a quality of life, right? And there's a difference. So resilience to me is that quality, right? What? you've done despite what you've had and being able to get to that point. That is beautiful. That is the what that means. And if you can connect the dots and you have that whole story there, then you've been able to achieve that. I don't care how much of it, it doesn't have to be this uh Odyssey volume series of storytelling there. It can be a couple of pages, but it's your book. It's your journey, and it's however you're going to put it together. And if you make it shit or champagne, that's going to be up to you. And if you're, um, even if you're, you turn out to be a villain, that's also a form of resilient too, because you're shutting the world out and you're shutting down. That's the path that you chose. Uh, resilient has nothing to do with character or the quality of character. But my hope would be that you would take a better route in yourself too.
0: no i think it's really interesting. you're talking about someone's journey as well there and investing in that that time and i think like you say whether it's whether it's strength it's resilience it's something else um it's that 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 journey that people are going through and, and investing in that if it's your journey um understanding that yeah um that's going to take time it's going to take work um and sometimes there are big bits of rubbish in the middle of yes, that journey right. it's, yeah. it's 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 not all, it's not all is it uphill downhill. it's not all downhill um or uphill depending on what that's metaphor right. i'm meant to be using <laughs> um <laughs> it's not all in a good direction there are there are bits when you um when you learn a new trigger and you're talking about those earlier, like it's not that you don't just know all of those at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might be aware of one or two, but it's as you're going through that um, journey, that recovery period, um, that continuation that you begin to become aware of, these are some of the things that I find really, really difficult or result in an emotional or physical behavioral response or action from me. Um, and we begin to learn those and structure those. And then that looks like to some people, it might be resilience to some people, it's something else. That's that journey that that person's going through, but there can still be moments when there's, uh, a new trigger that we didn't know because, you know, know, we've not walked past the zoo before. Then The first time we do, we learn actually, no, this is not a great thing for me right now. I need that something that i need to work on if i want to do that again um and i think that is really difficult because if you're going through that journey and like you said you've invested you've worked on yourself you've had these conversations you've used services and then kind of out of nowhere and i've definitely had that experience where i felt like i am i don't know i'm better i don't really like that but i am improved I've, i've developed myself yeah um and you get to that point where you're like actually this thing has happened and it's not great I'm still experiencing a thing that I thought was part of like where I was a year or two years ago and that can be a really difficult thing for someone I think to accept like it's just not nice to think oh this is still a thing that does still affect me Maybe hopefully a lot less but it is still there it, and sometimes you get reminded by those things and it's I think then when you're I'm going to use resilience but when other things maybe come into play the things that you've learned that growth that comes into play going okay but yes this has still happened however the way I react or respond to that can change and I'm now in a place where I can kind of better um, deal or react to that Um, and for me that's that's part of what I see from like someone's journey or from when I'm imagining resilience. Strength isn't I think because maybe I'm a visual strength means strength to me in a very visual, like weightliftery way. Um, I'm hoping that's not my intelligence. It's just, <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. The imagination um but yeah, I think it's it's picking up on on what do you respond to. And that's one of the things I think that links into I would say the their podcast is there's loads of different now. We're really fortunate, there's lots of different people sharing experiences through podcasts and other platforms as well. Some are, um, like I've listened to some that are like 15 and 20 minutes and they're really interesting to listen to, really short and like to the point. Yeah. Um, and to some extent, I kind of prefer listening to those, but I wouldn't. I don't enjoy those conversations as much I enjoy like a longer conversation which is often where like these conversations fit into where they're like that sort of 40 to 40 to 60 minutes ish um, but you have more time to to sit down and, and talk about things rather than like a quick sort of snippet of of things which sometimes like I say sometimes it's nicer to listen to or easier to not nicer easier it's easier to listen to like a youtube video oh it's much easier to watch a 10 minute video rather than thinking i'm going to invest in watching an hour video um but it's learning like what works for you and um i think that's a really powerful thing that if someone listens into different conversations hopefully they have a really positive impact on you but if they don't it's not necessarily again that these aren't for you it's just looking through and trying to find is there a different platform environment structure yeah. that these happen in okay. that would work for me? Um, and I think, or I hope that um, kind of through the conversation that we've had, that people have kind of resonated with that, but also through some of the different things that you've mentioned that that you've done, Brooke, with kind of sharing your story and some of the different projects and things like that. Um, and I was just wondering if, if people did want to find out a bit more about you and some of the things that you're doing um how could they find out about kind of the blog and different things that, that are coming up in the future
1: um they can visit the site at Uh, they can also visit the relationship foundation at the relationshipfoundation.org amazing
0: thank you so much for for coming on and sharing and it be it's it's been a really interesting conversation we covered a few different but I feel like we could probably go for another hour um but yeah. <laughs> I'm mindful that once once that starts we keep we keep going we'll have to arrange another conversation I would love that um thank you so much for coming on and for sharing truly, that I, uh,
1: truly the pleasure has been mine I just I'm such a fan and I just please keep doing what you're doing you just inspired you're just just doing tremendous things mike and i just love the hell out of you i would love to speak to you again at some point um you know even in in, in any other space but um you've touched my life and so many others so please keep doing what you're doing yeah thank you thank you take care
0: Again, a huge thank you to Brooke for coming on and for the really really kind words. Um I still can't really process them. Like it's lovely to to hear that and to have the kind of the positive messages back, but it's still I'm just not very good at accepting positive affirmation. So yeah, big thank you to Brooke for for sharing that and for saying nice things. I don't really know what to say, but uh, yeah, just a huge thank you for for sharing that like I will process that in time um yeah thank you and again thank you for coming on and being a guest on the podcast I really look forward to a future conversation hopefully you've all enjoyed this episode here's the outro These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate Yeah, It's
1: difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything
0: or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything.
1: You're not depressed. It's it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most
0: I mean this 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 shit is real and it's hard it's exhausting sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission
1: and I think people realize
0: how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are not only did this help me to light it it potentially might have helped some other people as well so it sort of started from there people just want to know that this. They just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things.
1: So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it.